0: Friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy My name is Will Moala, I'm the pastor of the Paravista and the Gaul and the Venice Churches here in South East Australia And we want to thank you for joining us in today's show This week's theme Is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And uh, today we're attempting to answer the question, What crime saw John Knox go to the galleys? And so if you're just tuning in uh, today, uh, this is a bit of a continuation uh, from last week's uh, theme. We've actually been doing this theme, uh, we'll be running it for three weeks in a row, and, and I'm just so excited that uh, we're able to uh, pick this theme up once again. And so we're looking at the character of John Knox. And so what we're trying to do today, my co-host and I, who I'll introduce in just a moment, we want to really look into the person, the character of uh, John Knox. For those who may not be aware of who John Knox is, he is uh, basically the father of the Presbyterian Church. And uh, we really want to just dive into this um, this reformer, this man of faith, John Knox. And we want to really draw out a, a real question is, is why uh, did he do uh, what he did? and why his beliefs are important today. And so I, for those who are regular listeners here to Drive Time, BQ&A, I normally would have my co-host, Pastor Joseph Manichich, here live in the studio with me. But we have a very special guest, uh, the speaker who is actually taking our content for these last couple of weeks, and his name is Pastor Don Felberg. And uh, we just want to welcome uh, Pastor Don here onto the show and onto Drive time BQ&A hoping that you can hear me uh, pass it on
1: yes I can hear you uh, fine and yeah uh and nice to be with you again and with your listeners. Oh, this is excellent. In fact, I think Pastor Don, this is the first time you
0: and I will be, uh, sharing, uh, today, uh, on Drive Time BQ&A. I know that you've been, um, on the show with, with our speakers last week, with our presenters. You were touching on the story of, um, you know, um, of Martin Luther and, and what he did in terms of, um, I guess, birthing the Protestant Reformation. So really looking forward to um, hearing uh, some of your thoughts and ideas about this uh, pivotal figure in the early uh, Protestant era uh, in the terms of John Knox. So um, well, pass we, it on. We, we certainly have
1: a great story again today.
0: Excellent. And... Uh, you are tuning in um, live from Perth, WA. You know, I was just—I uh, was just reflecting, Don. I'm not sure if I, I get—I'm getting my info correctly, but I think that our paths have crossed. I—I I think um, you may know my uh, father-in-law, Pastor John Brown, and uh, he was ministering out at um, in WA for a number I of do, years. I, I do know
1: Pastor John Brown very well, and uh, <laughs> have stayed there. In Waluna, uh, with yes. him on a number of occasions, yes, and up in Newman when
0: he was there. Yeah, and I, I was saying to my wife the other day that, uh, because I told her I'd be on the show with you, and I said, I'm pretty sure I, I met Pastor Don because we had gone over there, um, over to WA, uh, my, my now wife and I back in, uh, I, when uh, Pastor John was ordained, and I think I, our paths crossed when we were, I think, um, when we were up there at um, Micathara, I think, um, was where Pastor John was ordained on
1: that particular afternoon. I have another special link with you, uh, Moella, and that is that uh, one of my great-uncles was a missionary to the Cook Islands. Oh, wow.
0: That's a bit of history there.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's Pastor Harold Wicks.
0: Harold Wicks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well I have to follow that up with you, uh Pastor Don. But um well nonetheless, we're so happy that we get to share today on today's show. And so um look as we always do here on Drive Time B Q A, before we get stuck into our, our our theme for the week, we always like to share a bit of a um, a World Watch segment. And so um today's one I want to share with our listeners out there today, Don, is um this article that I just saw. Uh Uh, and the article is titled, uh, here it is. It's, the title is Sad Decline of Christianity in the Census, a call to unconditional love. Now, this article was written recently, um, just a couple of few weeks ago, June the 30th, um, on the eternitynews.com.au page. And essentially what it is, done, and to our listeners out there, it's really an article about how in the recent uh, census that um, those identifying as religious, um, there's been a, a little bit of a decline. And so it's basically an opinion piece from a fellow by the name of Tim Costello on uh, eternitynews.com Dot and um, I might just read just maybe the first little bit here and um, love to hear your thoughts, Don, on this. Um, so here is the opinion piece from Tim. He opens his article by saying, I read the heading on the front page of The Age on 28th of June and my heart sank because uh, the article on the, the Age was, quote, losing our religion as Christianity plummets, it announced. Oh, no, I thought. We are losing ground again and badly. Yes, I prefer to be in the winner's circle, although I should be used to losing by now. My kids as teenage years, teenagers years ago, after watching my many gambling campaigns asked, dad, is there any campaign you have back that ever won? But this headline felt particularly bad for my tribe. He's talking about being a Christian and for the cohesion of a nation. Uh, that was built on the Judeo-Christian Foundation. The results of the 2021 uh, ABS census showed that just 44% of Australians now identify as Christians, down for 52% five years earlier and 61% in 2011. And so he goes on in the article, Don, and there's a, a quote that's kind of um, enlarged to kind of summarize uh, one of his key thoughts. He's, um, he says, even if Australians are checking out of my faith, he's talking about his Christian faith, which deeply disappoints me, they must be respected and loved unconditionally. And so, yeah, just for our World Watch, uh, segment today's show, um, Don, um, it, this idea that, um, there is a decline, uh, in the census for those who, um, you know, uh, identifying as religious and yes. uh, Christianity. What are your thoughts on that? Um, what do you think? What stands out to you in, in you know in the the most recent data from the census?
1: Well, I I, I think sadly it's true we're becoming much more secular here in Australia, yeah. and it's disappointing that people are turning their backs on Christianity because Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And uh, I don't see that our life and our society is becoming a better place because we're turning our backs on Christianity. I think we're seeing more, more troubles in our society. So it's, um, another comment I would make is that, you know, as you travel around Australia, as you travel around, particularly through the countryside, you see many churches many church buildings that are no longer used as churches. Yeah. They're often art galleries or even homes or restaurants. And uh, that, I guess, just backs up the information that's come there in the census. I would hasten to add, though, that among our Aboriginal people, whom I've worked with for many years, the uh, the percentage of Christians is much higher. Many more of them... Uh, claim to be Christians than the uh, the general population. But uh, even they are um, down from what they were a few years ago. So, yes, we are facing challenges in Australia, uh, becoming uh, leaving its roots, Pastor Moella.
0: Yeah. Even as I speak, you know, um, my wife and my two-year-old daughter. We have been. We recently moved here to Adelaide, South Australia, from from where we were ministering previously over in the mid uh, North New South Wales uh, region. And um, yeah, I wasn't aware that um, even here in South Australia, it's you know commonly referred to had its affectionately was known as the City of Churches, and you know. and uh, I, I understand that um, it was a city that was birthed through Christian missionaries. Yeah. And, um, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, share and spread the, the gospel, um, you know, interstate here. Um, yeah. So th- there seems to be a trend, uh, at least uh, in in terms of the, the survey, that's, that's saying, you know, that there are, I guess there is a... Uh, decline I guess in terms of people associating um, with religion. Um, mm. but just a couple that there's another article I've just um, just kind of just want to reference this this was this was going back this article was on the ABC.net.au um, website, and this article was posted, you know, some two years ago. And the article's titled, What Australians Really Think About Religion by uh, a lady by the name of Annabel Crab. And basically, the article, and I won't go into it in detail, but the, yeah, the article was basically saying here that, um, in a sense, there's a section here in the article that Don says, as a, generally as, as Australians, um, We understand that people have religious preferences. We understand that there are people who have faith, but it's something that, as the subheading as I've got in front of me, it says that Australians generally don't like to be preached at or kind of uh, being, you know, proselytised in some ways. And the article goes at length to say that there's quite a number of percentage of of Australians that say, hey, you know, it's it's okay to have your faith, but Don't kind of You know Shove it down my throat In in a sense Mm, mm.
1: And And so Yeah I think I think for a long time There There's been a, A saying Two things You shouldn't talk about If you don't want to Get into strife One is Politics and the other is religion. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might it might be a good idea to be cautious about what we say about politics, but uh, when it comes to the things of God, if you really love Jesus and uh, you, you want to talk about him. Yeah. And if, if you don't want to talk about him, you say, "Well, that's all private." It's probably because your religion is not really doing much for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely, Don. And just, just back to the, the second article I'm just referencing now from, from ABC. There's a little section here. Um, very interesting, thought provoking part of the, um, article because it pertains to us as clergy. It says, um, um, uh, just halfway down the article, it says, um, overall, Australians are not looking for more religion. Only 15% of respondents thought the country would be better off if more people were religious. And one of the survey's most striking, striking findings is the poor esteem in which religious leaders are held. Now, listen to this, Don. It says, this is taken back in 2019. So, you know, whether it's changed a whole lot or not, I'm not sure, but it says here, when asked who they trusted. So apparently ABC had done a, you know, a survey and whatnot. It said, when asked who they trusted, Australians opted for doctors and nurses. And it says in parentheses, trusted by 97% and scientists, 93%, well ahead of their preachers. And then it says religious leaders were dist- distrusted by a full 70% of the population, with 35% saying they did not trust them at all. That's mm. pretty, uh <laughs> it's not yeah. something we like to hear a whole lot, I guess, for you and I, Don, in our you know, most of our drive time team are either in full time ministry or definitely serving, you know, serving God and faithfully in their churches and their communities. But yeah, well, what do you think about that idea, that statement, that Aussies in general trust their doctors and nurses and scientists um, ahead of, you know, ahead of pastors and preachers? Well, I guess a couple of a
1: couple of comments. <laughs> One is that. If they, if they don't go to church and they don't know a preacher, well it's uh, no wonder they don't trust him. <laughs> they don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, that, in that sense it's not surprising, but I think the other thing is there have been many clergy in Australia who have let people down. Yeah, you know, you think of all of this child abuse and so on. Exactly, and so and so, I think that has put a nasty taste in the mouth of many people that are just looking on. Exactly, and and that's very unfortunate. And I think you know, the devil plays his cards very well to turn people off the genuine thing. Yeah, and uh, and so you know there are many clergy I would uh, that are uh, of all denominations that are very trustworthy people, that you only need one bad apple to uh, to put a bad taste in the mouth of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Pastor Don. Well said. Well, just something for our listeners and just to. Just to think about, uh, particularly as it's closer to home here in Australia, that, um, yeah, in the recent census, people are, um, there's a slight decline in the percentage of, uh, people claiming to be religious and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, a signs of the times and, um, a bit of a trajectory, um, in terms of Australian culture and how we deal with this idea of religion um, in our culture and in our society, so, so I hope it you enjoyed that
1: article. Yep, go ahead, Don. I was just going to say, Jesus did say, "When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so th- there could be a definite connection there
1: um, yeah, between and, and and Paul certainly says there in Second Timothy that. in the the last days, people would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of of God. God. They might have a form of godliness, so that when there's a disaster, they say, oh, yes, we're praying for those that are affected. It says having a form of godliness, but denying its power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it looks like what we're seeing today is definitely uh, lining up with the words of Christ and the gospels and with the, with the scriptures. So, so interesting article and interesting to see how what's being shown in scripture and how it's playing out in, in the culture around us. So thanks Mm -hmm. for your thoughts, Don. Um, so we'll leave our world watch segment for the time being. And, uh, we're going to go to some music in just a few moments. But before we do that, we always like to give a free book offer. Um, each time we're presenting here on drive time, our free book offer for today and for the rest of this week is a book that you would really want to get your hands on. It is a book called a pale horse rides. It sounds very cryptic, but it is from, uh, the author is from Sean Bustra. And so uh, many people uh, know the story of how Christianity uh, unfolded in Europe over the course of many centuries. Uh, many people also know the story of Martin Luther, and I believe you alluded to him in your uh, presentations last week, Don, um, yeah. and Martin Luther launching a reform movement um, in the beginning of the 16th century. So the, essentially the book of Pale Horse Rides – Um, It really goes into people from the fringes of the empire, barbarians who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go but by the words of the Bible. And so it really takes a bit of a look in terms of a prophetic look. At, um, this period of Christian history, if I could put it. And, uh, for those who do not know, I'm um, the author Sean Boonstra. I have not met the man personally, but he's well known within our faith circles and he's a wonderful author. Uh, and he's, uh, he's a preacher. He loves Jesus and he loves to, uh, uplift the word of God. And, and if anyone who does that, that's a friend of mine too. <laughs> and so You're we want to give our listeners.
1: Question, I'm just going to say he's an excellent and dynamic presenter.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, if you would like a free copy of the book "A Pale Horse Rides," please text the code word here in the studio. Uh, the text is the code is SA64, and you need to text that to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. Once again, the code SA64 to you text that code word through, our friendly bot will get in touch with you and uh, we'll get that copy out to you free of charge no strings attached, we just want to uh, give you that resource to better equip you in your journey of faith so please don't go away, we'll be back in just a few moments, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Q&A
2: me, and you call me out to pull me in. You tell me I can start again, and I don't need to keep on hiding. I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go, no matter what. I and it's not one or the other it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known fully known and loved by you i'm fully known and loved by you it's so like you to keep pursuing it's so like me to go astray but guard my heart with your truth, the kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness. Oh
0: You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Q&A, with myself, Pastor Will Mawala, and my co-host, tuning in all the way from WA, Pastor Don Felberg, and we had just wrapped up our uh, World Watch segment, and so we are back. Our theme for this week is, continuing the theme actually from last week is, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Is Protestant still needed in the third millennium? And today, uh, Pastor Don and I, we're going to be looking at the question: What crime saw John Knox go to the grave? And so, yeah, we really want to um, dive into um, this—you know, this character (laughs) from the Reformation, really the father of um, modern Presbyterian uh, Christianity today. And so, Don, as as you're tuning in um, today. Really want to pass the time to you to just really unpack um, the person of John Mo- uh, Knox. Uh, we wanted to, yeah, just what he's basically known for because his name always pops up whenever we talk about these giants of faith in the early Reformation, you know, Martin Luther, John Knox, John Wesley, and so forth. Um, but today we're going to look at John Knox. So, so, uh, Don, I am going to pass the time to you. Why don't you um, walk our listeners through about the importance of John Knox and uh, why his beliefs are still important for us today?
1: Well, thank you, Pastor Will, and I'm happy to uh, bring you the story of this great man of faith. Uh, John Knox was born in about 1514 near Haddington, which is about 30 kilometres east of Edinburgh in Scotland. He came from middle-class parents, and his father, William Knox, died at battle at the Battle of Flodden, maybe the year before he was born. And that was an English-Scottish battle where the English won. Right. Well, Knox commenced studies at the University of St Andrews in 1532. His father, his father's desire was that he would become a priest. Well, he learned Latin and French. And by the way, Pastor Will, when he was 40, he mastered Hebrew. (laughs) I've only done a little bit of Hebrew, and I really battled with it. (laughs) But anyway, he graduated from St. Andrews in 1536 and did become a priest in 1540, and then he was involved in tutoring work. In 1545, he came to be associated with the reformer George Wishart, who was on a preaching tour through Scotland. Now, David Beaton had become the Archbishop of St Andrews there in Scotland and was determined to wipe out the Protestant heresy in Scotland. So that made uh, archbishop uh, Beaton was out after Wishart to kill him. So Sorry, he had, God, uh, sorry to yes. interject there. What
0: was the heresy that they were trying to get rid of? Was it John Knox's heresy
1: or well the Supposed well, heresy? At, at this point it was George Wishart because at this point Knox was still a Roman Catholic priest and uh, and faithful to that persuasion okay. but This uh, reformer, George Wissart, was preaching around Scotland. He was um, preaching a a message about the Bible being our authority and that salvation is found in Jesus. And so that's really why uh, Archbishop Beaton was out to kill him. Okay, Uh, he'd, He'd persecuted and killed many others. And so it's while he while Wishart was on this preaching tour that Knox actually met him. And uh, Knox um was very impressed with him, listened to him, and it's really what led him to uh give up being a Catholic and to become a Protestant uh uh preacher or a Protestant man himself. So
0: this and, but, so this beaten fella he yeah. was he was a Catholic too was he or
1: yeah he was the Catholic Archbishop there at St Andrews sort of in in charge of Scotland and so he his aim was to try to keep the Catholic faith there in Scotland. okay all right keep going yep yeah now Knox um, he became Wishart's bodyguard that's this reformer man. He was so impressed with him, he became his bodyguard and, in fact, he carried a sword to protect him as he travelled. On the 16th of January, 1545, Whistart was captured by Beaton's men and thrown into the sea tower at St Andrews Castle. Now, Knox wanted to go into captivity with him. He had become his friend. He was his mentor and... uh, And he thought, I'll stand with you. But Wishart said to Knox, he said, listen, one sacrifice is enough. Well, Wishart Uh was burned at the stake on the 29th of February, 1545, at just 33 years of age. Wow. Now, now things start to get interesting. Just over a year later, a group of Wishart's friends, led by Norman Leslie, stormed the castle of St. Andrews and they, captured, they executed Cardinal Beaton and hung his body out of the window of the castle. Oh, goodness. Now, their act of retaliation wasn't right or Christian, and it did set back the work of the Reformation. Now, St. Andrew's Castle, which had been the stronghold of Cardinal Beaton, was now held by this militant group of Protestants. And John Knox joined this group inside the castle and preached to them. Now, his first sermon was on Daniel chapter 7 and verses 24 and 25, where he clearly identified the little horn as the papacy. Wow. And and, uh, he was convinced the Lord had called him to preach. Well, when Cardinal Beaton was murdered... The governor of Scotland was a little bit disturbed about these events and so he asked the French Navy to come and help. And so on the 4th of June, 1547, the French Navy captured this group of Protestants, including Knox, that had taken over the castle. And so Knox was sentenced to work as a galley slave. That's that's the story of how he ended up as a galley slave. He was among the reformers, those that had um, had stormed the uh, the castle and so now he's a galley slave that is working rowing the boats. Okay, I now, was just about uh, to ask what a gladly slave is. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's using the oars, put down in the in the boat, and there they all sitting there together, using these a, oars. It's like the and, old um, uh, it's like the old Ben Hur movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's real slave work, right. Now, it's interesting that the historian uh, Wiley, says that uh, while this was a hiatus in the work of the Scottish Reformation, it was a blessing in disguise. And Wiley says the people of Scotland had to be taught that Reformation could not be furthered by the dagger. To Knox himself, this check was not less necessary. His preparation for the great task before him was as yet far from complete. And wow. so it, it uh, you know, it it, it, um, it shook things up a little bit.
0: So how long but, did he, uh, Don, how long did he work in the galleys for? How long was he
1: slaved for? Well, normally it was a life sentence, but fortunately for him, he was only there for 19 months. Okay. And um, now on the boats, while he was working there, he contracted a kidney infection and a stomach ulcer's. And they were health problems that he endured for the rest of his life. Wow. Now, I'll tell you an interesting little story, Pastor Will, of what happened while he's working on the boats there. Yeah, and this yeah. says something about the man. Go ahead. He, um, they, um, an attempt was made to have all the Protestant prisoners, and Knox, of course, was a Protestant prisoner. They ha- they attempted to make all of these galley uh, slaves acknowledge Mary as the mother of Jesus. Wow. Now, the the one they worked on, the boat they worked on, was named Notre Dame, which means Our Lady. And during the celebration of Mass, um, while the ship was at Nantes, the Salve Regina, or the Hail Holy Queen, was sung, and a little statue of Mary was brought around, and they wanted all the the slaves to kiss it. Well, Knox refused, but they thrust it into his face. But later, when no one was looking, he threw the statue overboard, saying, now let our lady save herself, he said. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> so you can see he was quite a, uh, an outgoing sort of a man, and uh, <laughs> you can see how sometimes he... he um, he rubbed people the wrong yeah. way, as we might yeah, say. The applecart yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he returned to Scotland after he was uh, released from the galleys. But Mary of Guise was on the throne. And she was part of the powerful Catholic Guise family of France. And so he didn't stay there long. He left for England, which was becoming Protestant by 1548 under Edward VI. And he spent time there in uh, England with Thomas Cranmer, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he also spent some time preaching and ministering at uh, Berwick-on-Tweed on on the border of Scotland and England. And incidentally, that's where one of my great-great-grandparents came from, Berwick-on-Tweed. Wow. And, and it was there at this place that he met Marjorie Bowes, whom he later married in 1555. Now, when King Edward VI died in England, Catholic Mary Tudor, or history knows her as Bloody Mary, uh, tried to reverse England uh, from being Protestant. And um, and so she when she came to the throne, Knox thought it's time to leave. And so he went across to France, and then he ended up in Geneva in Switzerland, spent time with John Calvin, who had a significant influence on his theology. Right. Well, then Knox came back to Scotland in 1556, and he visited around for almost a year, encouraging and strengthening the growing body of Protestants there in Scotland. And it's interesting, Pastor Will, on this trip, he celebrated the first communion service in Scotland. Wow. Well, he went back to Geneva in Switzerland, and he served an English congregation there for a while, and among other things, he helped with the translation of what has become known as the Geneva Bible of 1560. Well, he came back to Scotland for good in 1859, and he accepted the post as minister of St Giles Kirk in Edinburgh, where he served for the rest of his life. And I've had the privilege of visiting this church. I've gone inside and I've seen they've got a lovely big statue of um, Knox there. Well, he faced many challenges. As I said, he was a man who he um, he sometimes caused. Um, a little bit of strife. You know, he was quite forthright, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And and one time a would-be assassin came to his house, and I understand this is the house where he lived on the Royal Mile. And uh, this assassin came down to his house. He knew where he sat every night and studied. He'd sit with his back towards the window that hung a little bit out over the street. And so the uh, uh, shot was fired, but that night he sat in, he'd sat in a different chair. And so the bullet passed through the empty chair and up through into the chandelier. And (laughs) of course it missed him. Wow. Well, in 1560, Knox and five other ministers drew up what's called the Confession of Faith for the Reformed Church or for the Protestant Church there in Scotland. It was overwhelmingly accepted by Parliament, and uh, at that time the mass was abolished and papal authority was also um, abolished there throughout the land. Wow. Now, at the end of 1560, he met with some sorrow. His wife, Marjorie, passed away and left him with two little boys. Now his mother-in-law lived with him for a while to look after the boys and then in 1563, I think from memory he was about 50 years of age but he married a 17-year-old Margaret Stuart and later had three daughters to her. Well in 1561 Mary Queen of Scots came home to Scotland to rule. Uh, she faced great obstacles in her efforts to return Scotland to Catholicism. You see, the Bible had come to Scotland in 1525, and, uh, and in 1528, Patrick Hamilton was burned at the stake, and his death was like a lighted match being thrown into a can of petrol. It just it really made a big impression all over Scotland. Many others were martyred, and as I've travelled around Scotland, I've seen many graves where it says, martyred for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Well, later, um, as, uh, after Patrick Hamilton was martyred, Wishart, as we mentioned before, was burned at the stake, and uh, it seemed that every person they martyred only helped to raise up another group of disciples in their place. Yeah. Well, the Reformation was spreading and getting stronger, and um, so that was a challenge to Mary, Queen of Scots, but Knox was one of her chief obstacles. And on five occasions, Queen Mary uh, called Knox to appear before her to receive rebuke, for his sermons or for his actions. And um, the Queen charged him with heresy. Uh, He had taught the people, she said, to receive a religion prohibited by the state. And thus he had transgressed God's command in joining subjects to obey their princes. And I read you Knox's answer, Pastor Will. He said... As right religion received neither its origin nor its authority from princes, but from the eternal God alone, so are not subjects bound to frame their religion according to the taste of their princes. For oft it is that princes of all others are the most ignorant of God's true religion. So in other words, he's saying... We don't get our authority from princes, we get it from the eternal God, he said. Wow. And then he went on, he said, so madam, he's still talking to the queen, uh, to the, 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 yes, to the queen, he said, madam, you may perceive that subjects are not bound to the religion of their princes, although they are commanded to give them reverence. And, uh, and Mary, Queen of Scots, said to him, she said, You interpret the scripture in one way, and they, the Catholic teachers, interpret it in another way. Whom shall I believe, and who shall be judged? And this is, this is Knox's answer. He said, You shall believe God, who plainly speaketh in his word. Wow. And rather than the word teaches you, you shall believe neither the one nor the other. The word of God, he said, is plain in itself. And if any one place there be obscurity, the Holy Ghost, who never is contrary to Himself, explains the same more clearly in other places, so that there can remain no doubt unto such as are uh, 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 unto such as are uh, obstinately ignorant. Hey, Don, and so yes, can we just pause just for a
0: quick uh, break? Then we'll come yeah. back. We'll come back for the last segment. But just before you we go what? to the break, because you've you've shared so much interesting, not just interesting, but quite inspiring um, timeline of of this John Knox. Just before we go to a break, I was just kind of thinking to myself, what is it that I guess, uh, sp- and I think we just heard it now. What is it that spurned, you know that that launched these men of faith you know Martin Luther Wesley and Knox and, and the the reformers in general what do you think was their driving motive if i could put it that way and then we'll head to a it i mean just your 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 well, quick it, response on that like it, you, it's it a, the
1: word of it was the word of god that's what it yeah. was and there in that word they found jesus yes. and uh, and he satisfied their hunger and uh, they found in him a saviour, and and that's really what drove them on. Amen. Don, we're going to have to
0: pause here. I'm loving what you're sharing, but we'll be back in just a, a, a quick moment. But uh, before we um. We head to some music. I just want to, um, just to promote to our listeners once again, our free book offer, uh, for, for this, for today and, and for this coming week. Uh, the book is called A Pale Horse Ride. Uh, and the author is Sean Boonstra. And, uh, this book really kind of gets into, I guess, uh, uh, prophecy in a sense, uh, where it, you know, it talks about, um, the beginnings of Martin Luther, launching the reform movement in the beginning of the 16th century. And so what the book Pale Horse Rides, uh, Pale Horse Rides does, it's uh, Sean unpacks uh, people on the fringes of this empire, uh, barbarians who converted and built their faith with nothing, as we've been hearing today, we've nothing to go by but by the words of the Bible. These fearless men and women lived their faith during some of this world's darkest hours. Their lives were predicted in prophecy, and they paved the way for Luther and us. Uh, your own faith will be deepened by what they accomplished. So please, if you'd like that free copy, uh, A Pale Horse Rides by uh, Sean Boonstra, please text the code word sa six four. To zero four triple eight, eight zero eight double one. One more time. That's S A six four to zero four triple eight, eight zero eight double one. Our friendly bot will get in touch with you and get your details, and we'll get that book out to you as soon as we can. Please don't go away. We got Pastor Don uh, on the tail end of our show today. Uh, a riveting discussion about John Knox. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Q and A.
3: It's cold in here It's a scary place Lord, what are you doing to me? Trusting you is a difficult thing especially when I cannot see you know I trust in your plans, your God I am man but right now I don't understand Help me dear Lord in this time of unknowns to keep a firm grip on your hand the candle burns it flickers and yearns to fill four corners of this darkened room whispers joyful To the cruel winter's night So dark shadows will not consume Will not consume I used to fear the darkness in here Oh, the cold, it over. Trusting you was a difficult thing Especially when I could not see Silhouettes of the past for a future that lasts A message of your love and mercy A silent still voice, you've offered a choice To a world filled with uncertainty The candle burns, it flickers and yearns To fill four corners of this darkened room Whispers joyful light to the cruel winter's night So dark shadows will not consume you
0: back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQA That was candled by Janine Orwa. <laughs> and um, I know Janine pretty well. She is one of our lovely members at Para Vista Church. And if you're listening out there, Janine, Glendon, and to our Paravista Church family, praise God. Praise God for our lovely musical talent. Hey, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, and we're on the, um, we're almost um, out of time. We've Got a few more minutes to go, but, um, you're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, Beer QA. I've just been so inspired listening to Pastor Don, uh, Felberg joining us from Perth, WA. He's really been, um, taking a dive into this, um, f- Protestant figure, church history by the, a man by the name of John Knox. I've actually been learning things myself, uh, just listening, uh, to Pastor Don unpack the life of this man of faith. And I love just before the break, um, he really stood for for the Bible and for the Word of God. And so, Pastor Don, um, in the remaining time we have left, um, why don't you complete this picture of John Knox that you've been sharing with our listeners today?
1: I'm almost uh, finished the story. Um, and there... Um Uh, John Knox has been commissioned by Mary, Queen of Scots, to come and answer before her, and she's saying to him, hey, listen, you have been teaching people not to follow the the leaders of the Catholic Church, and uh, this is heresy, you're doing wrong, and... uh, and he'd replied to her, my authority comes not from princes, but from the eternal God. And Amen. and very eloquently he said to her, you shall believe God who plainly speaketh in his word, he said. And he said, unless you're, unless you're willingly ignorant, the, the word of God will speak to you, dear Queen. And history has it, Pastor Will, that Mary burst into tears out of sheer frustration with Knox. <laughs> Knox was unmoved at the outburst and continued to press uh, his point home. Well, one of the most striking things about Knox was his faith and courage. Uh, of him it was written, Herein lies a man who never feared the face of another man. And someone has said that's because he was a man who only feared the face of God. He could face men and women. He could face queens and kings because he'd faced God. Amen. Well, on the 24th of November, 1572, as he lay dying, John Knox asked to hear John chapter 17 uh, read aloud to him. And of course, in that uh, passage of script, uh, in that passage of scripture, was the keynote of his life. John seventeen verse seventeen: Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And he wanted to hear it for uh, for another time. He was a Catholic priest, but when he met George Wishart, Knox was convinced that he should believe the Bible and he should uplift the Christ of the Bible. He became convinced that the Bible is our authority, and that's why he could say those words to Mary, Queen of Scots. And uh, that belief that the Bible is our authority, I believe is still important for us today in in, in in this day and age in which we live. I have a text in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, and it talks about some people who lived in the little town of Berea in Greece. And the Apostle Paul, he came there and he shared with them about a crucified and a risen Savior. And the scripture says of these people, these were far more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Amen. So Paul is commending these people in Berea because when he preached to them Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, they didn't say, hey, go away. We don't want to listen to you. This is different than what we've believed. Instead, they searched the Scriptures daily to check it out, and he commended them. And I would say, uh, Pastor Will, and to our listeners today, that's what we need in this day and age, are people who are willing to search the Scriptures and to give it a hearing. Knox was willing to give George Wissart a hearing, and uh, he realized that it was truth and he wanted it. And and so that's I believe that's very important in this day and age. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, and the Bible is the Bible is our authority, like Knox said to the Queen, uh, in Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That means for teaching. Where do we get our teachings from? Well, we should get them from the Bible. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And you know, I think, Pastor Will, when Jesus was on earth and he was confronted by the devil in the wilderness of temptation. Yes. You remember the words that... were his defense against the devil? Yes. It it is written. It is written. Yeah, Jesus was strengthened by the word. He was kept from temptation by the word. And so that's what made Knox strong, and it's what will make us strong. In fact, Knox wasn't a dry... uh, He didn't take the Bible as dry theory. One of his students, uh, James Melville, said, uh, he He said he heard him teach on the book of Daniel one time, uh-huh. a series and he was taking notes, he said for the first half hour as he explained the text, he just spoke moderately and deliberately but then when he applied the text and he brought home the lessons he said he made me so shudder and tremble that I couldn't hold the pen to write. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: that's powerful.
1: Yes, so so, yes, he he, um, uh, he he knew what he believed, and he believed what he knew, and he had to tell others. His famous prayer, give me Scotland or I die. Amen, amen. And he had found Jesus, and he had to share him. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man it's cometh unto the Father but by me. And I think of King David when he found... God, he said. Then I have to teach transgressors your ways. It's a joy for me to share what I have, and he risked his life. Knox risked his life to preach an unpopular message, but it was the truth. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Don. Um, I really appreciate your time in sharing with our listeners today on Drive Time P Q A, just about this man of faith. And you know, I just. As you just mentioned before, you know, like he, he was courageous. He, he knew his God and he, he went to wherever the Lord had called him to preach um, the message of Jesus. And so yeah. I just want to, before we just wrap this up, Pastor Don, is there a, a closing, maybe something you want to say to our listeners that are tuning in? Maybe perhaps there's someone out there that maybe. Maybe sitting on the fence with this whole Christianity thing. Maybe there's some people who are a bit, maybe dare I say, skeptical about the Bible, or maybe just God in general. Um, what would you, what would your parting words be to to these listeners, to our listeners today?
1: Well, I'd say don't throw out the Bible and don't throw out Jesus without examining it, without having a good look at it, because you'll be throwing out. One of the most precious gems that you could ever have. Amen. David in the psalm says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord yeah, is good. good." And I say to you, don't throw it out without examining it. Amen. And uh, and the Bible says we ought to hold fast to the faith once delivered unto the saints. What these men like, like what Knox, uh, like Knox found, what they found to dis- and discovered is valuable, and it yes. will be valuable for us too. Amen, amen. Thank you so
0: much, Pastor Don, for sharing with our listeners today. Our time is up uh, for today's program, but we have more in store for you for the coming week. Tomorrow, please join us as Gary and Don, uh, yours truly, Pastor Don Felberg, <laughs> will be on yes. the show again tomorrow, and, and yourself, Don, and Gary will be looking at the question, why did John Wesley... Preach on His Father's Grave. That's the title for um, the question tomorrow. So please join um, Gary and Don as they dive into that pertinent question uh, tomorrow. And so before we tune out, we just like to leave you with a gospel promise, the words of Jesus Christ that we will want to share with you today. And Jesus says in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter in verse 27, He says these words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. May God richly bless you and we'll look forward to having you next time. God bless.